This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hey everybody, this is Sean Daly. Welcome to another episode of Green Talk Radio. Today we have a new installment in our Green Blogger series. We'll be talking today with Marianne Conlon of Ecopreneurist. She is a lead writer for the green business focused blog Ecopreneurist.com and a marketing consultant with expertise in targeting LOHAS consumers, for those of you who don't know the acronym, Lifestyles of Health and Sustainability in other words, green. In addition to a strong corporate marketing background, Marianne is a popular author and speaker on green and socially responsible marketing, as well as being a contributor to the Washington Post slash Newsweek interactive site, Sprig.com, and Green Options Media. She holds a BS in marketing and an MBA from the Thunderbird School of Global Management and has taught marketing and public relations at the University of California, Berkeley, UC Irvine, and the University of Hong Kong. Some of her recent articles on Ecopreneurist include It's Not What You Say, How to Sell, Not Scare Green Consumers, and Consumer Confidence at 2004 Levels, Does This Mean Green Grocery is Dead? Marianne, welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Sean. Happy to be here. So let's just jump right in. What, from your viewpoint, are some of the biggest trends that are going on in green marketing today? Well, Sean, it's really kind of an exciting time to be in green marketing in a recessionary period. And even though they're just now starting to use that R word, I think that most people can concur from their own lives that we're moving into a different period of time in our economy. In fact, they're actually and, they're actually saying that it's going to be the worst recession uh, you know, since the 70s. Lately. That was the news of yesterday. Yeah, well, they're starting to update it kind of every day. I think that uh, some of the smarter folks saw this coming and were ready for it, but I think uh, most everybody else is kind of surprised and going, okay, what are we going to do now? But from a green business standpoint, that can actually mean some good things. And the reason is there's still a lot of money out there looking for something to invest in. And green businesses are one of the few areas that look like they're going to continue and that this is a trend, not a fad. So I think that for entrepreneurs, at least in the green field, it's a good opportunity right now. Mm-hmm. So, and what do you see from your perspective, again, driving these new trends? Well, there's a couple different things. First of all, because sustainability has gotten so important to large corporations, they're all jumping into the mix. And as more and more large corporations get into it, uh, the more visibility there is with the consumer. And the more that all types of businesses are going to be going green, not because it necessarily sells product, but because it's required now. The consumers are looking for it. Consumers have the option to buy green um, and at not a totally um, astronomically expensive price, but at a regular price. It's out there. Now, how I'm curious, too, about how you handle the sort of ongoing issue that exists in the industry of policing and I guess really understanding from the consumer standpoint what exactly, well, which companies are green and which aren't and what that even means. <laughs> How do you handle that? 
Yeah, it's it's really an interesting thing um, out there of what consumers think. And I write not only for ecopreneurs, but I write for a lot of different uh, blogs. I start off as a mommy blogger, and so a lot of that experience there, which I started a couple years ago, got into that whole thing and gave me connections with a lot of moms out there who are 90% of the purchases in the United States are made or influenced by women. So that's the people you really want to know about. And those consumers are frankly confused right now. There are a number of certifications out there and most people, I wouldn't say most, but some of them more aware are familiar with them. But then something like comes out the other day about Energy Star, which is really one of the granddaddy of the certifications is gee, it's not quite as pure as we thought it was. Yeah, yeah. that was concerning. I, I read that. That was quite concerning. So I think that there's still, there's a regulatory issue, and I talk about this a lot on um, a couple of different blogs that I write, is from a food standpoint, natural. Natural doesn't mean anything. Whereas in one of my blog posts, I said natural means nothing. That's not regu- regulated. So if a parent is buying or a, um, a person interested in organic food is buying something that says natural on it, well, there's no really regulations from the FDA governing that, so how do they know they're getting natural? And there's a lot of marketers that, that yeah, there's a lot of marketers that, that will exploit the, those holes, you know, and quite happily, quite readily. Well, that used to be true, but that's changing. Do you know who are the people who are most um, violently asking, or I shouldn't say violently, I should say stridently, <laughs> yeah. stridently asking the FDA to make some, make a decision, please. Tell us what's going to be the right thing. Are the big consumer products, the big packaged goods organizations, the big guys want that clarified because they want to own it. They have the money. They have the dollars. They can actually put something behind it and make the regulations and they uh, or meet the regulations the FDA puts out. So those are the people asking for it. They want the FDA to say something. Now, interesting. That's the first time I've heard that. So that that makes sense. But what I'm curious, that begs the question then, is there some risk to companies that might not be able to afford to go through the regulatory hoops, as it were, to get those certifications, yet perhaps are meeting the certifications and maybe leaving out some of the smaller companies? Is there a threat there to smaller businesses? Absolutely. And certified organic is really one of the areas that you see that the most. It takes several years to get a organic certification on a farmland or for a farm. And there are many, many growers out there who are growing organic but are not yet certified because they haven't been around long enough. And this is a little bit of a disadvantage for entrepreneurs, particularly new entrepreneurs. A lot of people who go to the farmer's markets will see that. They'll see certified organic on a lot of the booths, but then you'll go up to another booth and somebody will say, well, yeah, it is organic, we just started, but we're in the certification process, it costs some money, it takes some time. So it's a disadvantage, absolutely, to entrepreneurs. Interesting. So Marianne, now from time to time we hear about segmentation within this green consumer market that we have, such as, for example, some people use the terms light green, medium green, dark green, etc. Can you describe for us the different types of green consumers from your viewpoint of the market? <laughs> it would have to be my viewpoint because there's another area that there's not a real good definition. Um, different industries use different people. The things that I really look at, and because I'm a marketing person, I'm going to back up just a second and say, unlike most of the people, I would say most of the consultants and most of the bloggers in the green area, I don't come from an activist background. I come from a corporate America background. And I worked in corporate America for 20 years as 
marketing managers, as product managers, as director of marketing for large Fortune 500 companies. So I tend to look at it from the marketing angle first, and I came to the green movement a little bit later when I became a parent, basically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so when I look at something, I look at the segments of consumers in terms of how they purchase product. So I look at, and I like to use the LOHAS statistics or segments, actually, the low-cost, deep green consumer, we all know that who that is. That's the person who will spend a little bit more money and actively research products that are good for the planet and will buy those based on that particular criteria. Intrinsically rather than without as much regard for, for price differences. Correct. Correct. But then there's a whole big other group, and I know lots and lots of people that I would call the crunchy crowd. Um, they... They are what you would really consider very green consumers, but their greenness is not about necessarily saving the planet. They're recycling, and they are trying to keep their uh, use of things down, trying not to be too much into consumerism. But what really concerns them is personal health and wellness. These are the people buying the organic food. These are the people who are buying organic and natural uh, medicines and personal care products. And these are the people that may not spend that little extra bit of money if something just saves the planet. They're going to spend the money if it's helpful to them and their family. That's what motivates them. So it's very different from the deep green consumer in terms of from a marketing standpoint. Sure. The next group I would say are the, what I, I call them the, the aspirationals. And uh, the low-house segmentation, they call them drifters, but they're really aspirationals. They want to go be seen in Whole Foods. It is hip to be green. And, and they, drive the, they drive the Prius and that whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> a neighbor of mine just got a Lexus Prius, and I just she was like totally cracked me up about it because her husband came out and looked at me and said, I didn't get that great a gas mileage. <laughs> so obviously what he was looking at is the next group, that he's the next segment. He's the practicals. He wants to go for green purchases because they save him money. Meanwhile, his wife wanted to get the Lexus a hybrid because it looks good and it's cool to be green. So within the same household, we have two different segments. And so that those are people who are going to fall off. The people with the aspirations are going to start to fall off with this kind of economy. If they're only looking at green because it's hip and it's cool, then it may not be as important to them anymore. Whereas the people who are very interested in the health and wellness and the people who are very deep green, they're going to keep buying. They're going to cut back somewhere else. Yeah, there was, a, there was actually a study done, it was about a year ago, as I recall, that 70% of all Prius owners made their purchase based on image. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing. I'm glad they're buying high fuel right. efficiency vehicles. It's just interesting to note the motivations of 7 out of 10 people. but. That falls quite in line with what you're you're describing. Well, we're going to take a quick break right here, hear a word from our sponsor, then we will be back on Green Talk Radio. We're talking today with green blogger Marianne Conlon, a.k.a. MC Milker, as I know her on Twitter and other social networks. She is the lead writer for Ecopreneurist.com, in addition to a having a marketing consulting practice. We'll be right back, everyone. Hey, we're back on Green Talk Radio. This is Sean Daly interviewing today Marianne Conlon, 
aka MC Milker, a Lojas industry blogger who serves as the lead writer for ecopreneurs.com in addition to having a marketing consulting practice. Marianne, we were talking before the break about your background and uh, you know some of the trends that you're seeing in the industry. We also talked about segmentation of the green consumer market. I was wondering if you would, for the marketers and business owners out there, maybe take the information that you laid out in terms of the segmentation of the market of green consumers and then maybe tell them how to apply that information in terms of targeting and understanding their market. Sure, Sean. I, I would love to do that because right now is a really interesting time for a green business and green marketing. I consider green to be at a tipping point from a business standpoint and from a marketing standpoint. That is, it has gotten to this point where there's so much saturation of green and that there's so much awareness that there needs to become differentiation. And by that I mean people need to really talk benefit. Now, it's interesting because I was talking to some folks over at one of my clients uh, Fortune 100 company, and they were talking about some of the efforts that they were making to get the certifications required for green, to make sure that they had green offerings. And off the cuff, the uh, marketing manager I was speaking with basically said, you know, I'm not sure exactly if the consumers will even care about it, but it kind of seems like something we need to do. And that I thought was really relevant for the discussion right now which comes back to you need as a business owner, as a large corporation, as a marketing person to go beyond green, the word, to go to consumer benefit. And that's a real basic marketing concept that hasn't been needed. When you're on a trend, was it starting? It starts off usually as a fad or something. A trend where a fad starts off and all you need to do is really invoke the word Green, and green means to save the planet. Green means good. Green means I'm being uh, a good corporate, a good uh, planet citizen. Now that everybody is green or that everybody is moving toward green, companies need to make sure that their products are really speaking to the benefit of the consumer that is being conveyed. In other words, when we talked about the segment of the consumers that are interested in health and wellness, well, it's no longer okay to just say organic or just say natural. That's not a benefit. That's a feature. It's natural. But why is that good? Well, because it makes you healthier. It makes your skin work better. It helps your stomach. It makes your child have uh, a better immune system. Whatever it is, that's that benefit thing that has become important. And you and I talked a little bit about the Prius in the earlier part of the segment too. What's the benefit? Well, there's a benefit to the planet. Yes, we're reducing emissions, but there's also a personal benefit for the consumer, and that is saving gas mileage or alternately feeling good about yourself for saving the planet. But to this point, consumers have not really seen that that often on green products. What they've seen are the big overarching terms of green or natural or good for you. So I think that's the big change that we're seeing now. Yeah, you make a good point, and it makes sense to me that there's a premium that all of these various segments of consumers are willing to pay on a, maybe a sliding scale uh, for going green and buying more sustainable products. And in a 
down economy, it, one would expect that that's going to, those thresholds are going to reduce at all levels because um, it's just necessary based on the economics of uh, people's pocketbooks. So that makes a lot of sense. So what about on the promotion side, Marianne? Are, are there specific type of promotions that you found in your consulting practice with your clients to work better for promoting green businesses? Yes, it's, it's interesting to see what has happened. Over the years, we have seen more and more triple bottom line approaches that is people profit planet. So from the people end, you're seeing green businesses teaming up with different types of charities and running promotions with them. One of the things, the Arbor Day Foundation will plant a tree for certain types of donations. And it's funny because I did these types of promotions, oh, back in the back in the 80s, actually. I did uh, some promotions with the World Wildlife Federation. I did in the 90s with tree people and with Arbor Day Foundation, but now it's gotten to the point where everybody's doing those types of promotions. And because you find more and more that social entrepreneurship or social giving back has become part of the corporate culture, it's become less effective as a promotion. Yeah, people numb out. I mean, you know, even the word green for me has lost all meaning. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, and I have a site called Green Living Ideas and this is called Green Talk Radio, but, you know, it really warrants more really specifics as people get more educated and uh, quite frankly, marketers uh, use the hell out of the word and <laughs> make us all numb out to it. Um, we have to get more specific. Yeah, so well, some of the things that I think are working now are going to be more connecting directly with the consumer. You have to really look at during this recessionary period, there's something that's going to be going on that is dovetailing, that has been starting, but has starting earlier, but is now dovetailing with green, which is the slow movement. Slow food, slow travel. Uh, you may be familiar with the terms of meaning slow travel is fly somewhere and uh, or hopefully don't fly there. <laughs> don't go too far away. Explore. <laughs> I was going to say, that's not, that's not that slow. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't do the multi-city tour. Go one place and stay there. Walk around, get to know the place. Um, simplicity movement is really an offshoot of that. People are going to be looking for less, in a word, junk. I think that you're going to be seeing green businesses and people or corporations rather that produce products that are green, really talking about the quality end of it because that whole thing of reuse or buy quality has become more important. Mm -hmm. Beyond just recycling, beyond just being good for the planet, buy something once and save it for five years and use it. I just give an example. I look at backpacks. I have a a grade school age son and Instead of buying him a new Cars or Batman or Superman or whatever backpack every year that's made very cheaply in China, shipped over here with a huge carbon footprint, I'll buy a, a REI backpack for him. I'll buy a Land's End backpack for him. He can keep it five five years. It's good, well made. And so I'm not adding to consumerism. And in a recession, that's a very that's a very money-saving way to go, but it's also a very green way to go because that is, if I save for five years, that's four fewer backpacks that end up in the landfill. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's really impressive to me the things I see in my own corner of the world similar to that where people are, you know, growing their own food and gardens. I, I drive down the street and, and, and I'm in suburbia. I mean, up in wine country, you know, northern California, but, but, you know, down major streets, I see people <laughs> growing corn, you know, despite the, the, you know, the city laws to the contrary, which I love. They're, they're growing corn and other, you know, vegetables and, you know, people have chickens and ourselves included. And, you know, even our across the street neighbors, uh, the guy's a doctor and they're very well do and, and what have you. But, you know, I think they probably looked at us as a little bit, a little weird when we, when we got the chickens and, and then all of a sudden, uh, my wife hates when I talk about the chickens, by the way, cause she's always afraid. She's like, we can't, I'm not sure we can have the chickens. They're going to come get us. <laughs> so, she's like, don't talk about the chickens. I'm talking about the chickens, Stephanie. Um, but you know, they're showing up wanting to trade, uh, for, Oh, you know, we came over, uh, we were wondering if we could give you some fresh, whatever strawberries that we have for some eggs cause we're making so. And so, you know, so it's just like, it's been really impressive to me the way that this, this, slow and going slow food movement and going back to our roots and going back to sort of these things that are uh, were part of our past and our history but were, have been lost in the last 50 years there's a return there and, and it's it's really impressive to me um, the, also I, there was recently a slow food expo down in San Francisco that was completely just focused on that mm -hmm. uh, as well so we're seeing, seeing things like that so I, the other question I had for you was about uh, was in relation to established entrepreneurs and how they might be able to reach out to this growing market that we've identified here. I think that for most entrepreneurs, what they really need to do is go back to basics. And in some cases, if they're coming from the activist community, that may be not going back to basics, but finding out about the basics of marketing. They need to understand who their target market is. This kind of came from something we talked about earlier. It, because it's no longer good enough to just sell it as green, who is the actual segment? Who is that target market? Understand who they are and what motivates them. And then the product needs to be focused for the benefit that that consumer is looking for. They call it a consumer need from a marketing standpoint. I think that Great. it's very interesting to me to watch this because in the early, in 2000, 1999, 2000, I was working a lot in the e-commerce area and I would work with e-commerce entrepreneurs and they would all say I would say who's your target market and they would say everybody and I would say everybody is not your target market <laughs> yes everybody could use your product but you need to pick the people who really have the need for it but in, in the green area you haven't had to it up to this point because it's been growing by leaps and bounds and so it's time for green entrepreneurs to be able to realize that there's a bit of a change and they need to look at um, class basic marketing principles and classic marketing principles that have been used by corporations for years and years and years and improve upon them, make them even better, but understand them. Yeah. And it's really exciting because what we're hearing about green business and the new green economy from people like Joel Macor and Van Jones and other people like this who are luminaries in that area. And they're talking about specific ways that eco entrepreneurs can get involved and create jobs in all areas and all walks of life uh, across all economic strata. So uh, very exciting times we live in. And we certainly appreciate the editorial that you put on the Ecopreneurist and other sites. It's been great. I've been a longtime reader of yours. And so we appreciate you being on the program with us today. Well, thanks so much for having me, Sean. My guest today has been Marianne Conlon. She's also known as MC Milker. She's a Lojas Industry green blogger who serves as the lead writer for Ecopreneurist.com in addition to having a thriving marketing consulting practice. 
Thanks as always to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.